Hi guys, welcome back to Requires Improvement presented by Blackboard Theatre. We are your hosts, Molly Atkinson and Dean Osgood. If you tuned in to us last week, thank you so, so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you then return to listen to us again this week, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. This week, we're going to be talking about the big news at the moment, Boris's announcement. And we're also going to have a little chat about how we can use drama in the classroom and maybe just share a couple of funny stories just to give us all a little bit of a laugh and a chuckle at the moment. To try and lighten the mood. Yes, as Molly said, thank you very much for coming back to us. Um, we are still finding our feet with this podcast business. And as, as a result of that, we've been uploading to different podcast websites. We're very lucky to be sponsored by... Um, anchor who are helping us upload but before this molly had never had a spotify account and obviously we're now on spotify so molly has made a big step today well yesterday and opened her very own spotify account before this and i'm sure molly won't mind me telling you molly's version of spotify or apple music was a memory stick that she keeps in her car that she updates regularly with current music which is like what I used to do when I was 15 off LimeWire. <laughs> so welcome to Spotify, Molly. Thank you. Thank you very much. And it's a want... whole new world. <laughs> <laughs> Any music you want on demand apart from Taylor Swift? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at the app yesterday and it was saying things about in how to have it in the car and, and all this. I was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. This is like brand new technology for me. Goodbye, memory plan. I mean, <laughs> I just find that that if you know Molly, that is the most molliest thing that <laughs> that there could ever be. But I love it. Right, shall we? I, love, I just want to point out, just to add to that, that Dean discovered my memory plan of music on the drive up to Edinburgh for the festival, and then has never let it, never let it go, and just reminds me of it all the time. Because she has no way of knowing what's coming next or what's on it. And she's like, oh, I haven't heard this song since 2008. It's hilarious. Right, Molly. Some big news was announced on Sunday night. How are we feeling? Um, well, I teach year one. So that was a pretty big thing to hear on Sunday night. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I totally get reception in year six because they're like, really big transition years and this is just going to sound like because I don't want to go back to work but I think everybody was really baffled by the year one and it's not because we don't want to go back to work believe it or not teachers are absolutely desperate I think to get back into school and have some kind of system and routine and and you know but I think everyone was a little bit baffled by year one like and and I mean and, and the things that are going around social media at the moment about how hard it's going to be to make reception children and year one children social distance I mean they're hilarious but they're so true it's just it's just madness it's absolutely crazy I've seen a meme before about it was like um do you know that oh that thing they've announced and it's like stay stay alert and all that there was one there's a meme before and it, and it was like Reception children, if you get COVID, put a wet paper towel on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that one's really like really popular, but it's true though. That's all we ever seem to do. Oh, just get yourself a wet paper towel. That's all we ever really do to make things 
better. But I just think, I just think it highlights how little time MPs have spent in a school setting or like a school setting today. Because I mean, one MP, I can't remember what it was now, had apparently said um, that nursery children, nursery children should use the equipment on their desk only. Nursery children at desks, no, <laughs> like, nursery <laughs> children don't have desks, they don't have equipment, you know, but I mean, they can barely read or write at that age. So I just think there's clearly that decision has been made by people who do not have a clue what a school setting is like at the moment. And I seen um, a thing going around about how it's okay for the reception children and year one children not to social distance because they're mm. immune to it. So, well, they keep saying immune to it, but I don't know how much I believe that, like, or it doesn't have much an effect on them. Surely though, there's still a chance that they can transmit it then to the teacher. Well, yeah, and, and I think the other thing that a lot of people are, are kind of asking or demanding is to see the research to back this up. I mean, it's fine saying something like that, but have you got something to actually prove it to, you know, to put people's minds at rest? You know, not just teachers, parents, um, grandparents, you know, any any person that's has some kind of involvement with a, a, a child or a young person I think wants to see the proof that it's safe it's safe for them to return and, and the other thing I find interesting is that they're not going to find people who if they choose not to send their children to, back to school so obviously normally that would go down as attendance and then they'd be fined for it but apparently if you choose not to send your child back to school if and when we reopen you won't be be fined for it and it won't go down as attendance. So to me, that, I mean, I agree with it, but I also think it just suggests how, how sure they are that a lot of people don't think it's safe to send their children back to school. Yeah, I completely get that. And obviously I'm secondary, so we're not we're not going back properly until September and year 10. How do you, how do you feel about that? Because that, that would make me feel uncomfortable. Like as much as I'm kind of complaining about going back on the June 1st, I think to know that I wasn't going back until September would equally make me panic a little bit. So I think um, I, I really am really keen to get my year 10 back because my course, I do, I teach AQA drama and, um, there's so much to do in the course and we were halfway through our devising project when it finished. So, and I know because of social distancing, I'm not going to be able to get them to devise till well after summer, but to just continue teaching them exam content, even if I got them in, in small groups, it'd be fab. So I'm looking forward to getting them back in, but I'm also dreading September. I feel like it's just going to be the worst term ever getting these kids that have been out of school for seven months back into a routine, back into learning, back into that. I'm hoping it's going to get turn around and surprise us all um, and be hopefully easier. But I think, feel like it's going to be really hard. I feel like it'd be massively hard if you were an NQT this year. Mm, yeah. 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 Well, I think this whole year must have been horrible for training teachers. Because oh. they'll have missed their final placement and the uncertainty of a job. Um, I think... Yeah, any training teacher 
has will have done remarkably well to get through this year. Do you know what we should do in the future, coming up over summer, um, as part of one of our podcasts? I think it'd be good if we talked about routines and structure, because I know when I go back for the first half term, I'm going to just try and hammer, especially with seven, eight, nine, routine and structure back into my lesson, because they will have forgotten all the routines. Yeah. Well, I think that was the reasoning behind sending reception year one back as well, because they're so young and they just need that structure and routine back, but it's it's going to be really challenging and the fact that when they do come back it's going to be something different to what they know so it's you start from square one again basically can i ask you a question that you might not know but um i'm really interested in it have your school received any of these laptops and broadband routers they keep promising <laughs> because we haven't and my school is um as academy it is a mixed comprehensive and it is in quite a socially deprived area where a lot of our children don't have access to the internet or a, a laptop they can work on. And um, the kids that do have a laptop, they're sharing it with other siblings or their parents. So those resources to us are like absolutely invaluable. And it seems like they're not appearing from anywhere because they promise so many laptops, haven't they? And so many like... Yeah. Have you had any... Um, as far as I'm aware, no... I know that we as a school have, we we just recently invested a lot of money into iPads. So um, we've got, we had a lot of iPads in school. And I think for like a few of, uh, you know, children who, who can't, don't have a laptop or, you know, anything at home like that, we we have like rented an iPad out to them um, during this period. But that's not through the government, that's like through our school. Um, and I think that was purely because, like I say, we've just invested a lot of money in the iPads and, and they're just sat there at the moment, um, not being used. So I My personal gut feeling with this is that they're going to um, they're going to leave it now. I think I think once they publish this this guidance, I think they will then leave it to individual boroughs or um, districts to decide what they do themselves i think they'll stop being a national strategy for it i genuinely do i would hope there's some guidance for september though because there's going to have to be isn't there really i mean these seven weeks before summer getting them back you know is one thing but starting again in september properly i mean i presume it will be properly you never know it still could be you know half class sizes and all that but um i would have thought there'd need to be another set of guidance for september as well it gets me so annoyed talking about it you know i'm like sat here like fuming and i don't like i don't know why i think because we were so in the dark about it and obviously i think teachers in their nature like to control and like to plan and like to know what's going to happen and i think it's that that taken out of our hands like things like me i like i'm trying to plan for next year and i really want to do like a christmas concert and then i'm thinking oh well that might not happen yeah well particularly in in my kind of situation as well um we sometimes get moved about year groups um you know so i've done year one this year doesn't necessarily mean i'll be in year one next year um you know that so we, we, it's normally about this time of year that we find out what year group we're teaching in the next academic year. Um, and obviously, if you're moving classroom, it's effectively moving house. 
um, and you've got all your displays to sort out in your new classroom. If you are moving year groups as well, you've got to kind of get your head around your new curriculum. And like you say, we could be doing planning. Um, and this is, you know, when I've been in school, that's what a lot of people are saying. Oh, you know, we, by this point, I'd have this done and this by this point, we'd have sorted this. And I mean, obviously, we've, we have got to relax a little bit as well, like you say, because this is just something we can't control. Um, but it's our nature to try and, and try control a situation. But yeah, there's there's so many things up in the air at the moment and it's just it's just not very nice. And, and I think the other big thing is it's all an if, isn't it? I mean, we're not going to get that 100% go ahead is it the 28th he's, he's saying it's, it's, whether or not we're going before, I reckon it'd be the Thursday or the Friday before the first. Yeah. So Madden. we've got to wait for that as well. Um, I, I think it's an interesting discussion point and I'd be really interested to hear what other people thought. So mm -hmm. if anyone's got any comments or views on it, if they want to get in touch with us via the comments on the podcast sites or via our social medias, we are Blackboard Theatre UK on Facebook and Instagram, and we are Blackboard UK on Twitter. Um, is that all the social medias we've got? Yeah. We're not cool and don't have a Snapchat or anything, do we? I was about to say, maybe we should get a Snapchat. Yeah. Or, a, ti or, a, or a TikTok. <laughs> we, we could post TikToks. We could. Can you imagine us? <laughs> Education TikToks, learn the time with Miss Atkinson. <laughs> I mean, I've just got Spotify, so I think, you know, baby steps. Uh, so. TikTok in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, but please, um, if you don't already, um, like our social medias, get in touch. We really want to hear your views. Um, and if you've got any views or stories, we'll read them out on our next podcast. But to do that, you need to, you know, get in touch with us. <laughs> no, yeah, it would be really lovely to hear because I know we mentioned last week about the fact that we're both in kind of social media groups on you know for our year groups or our subjects and it's it's really lovely to read things in there and know that you know you're not on your own and you're not the only one worrying about this and you're not the only one thinking that so it would be lovely to share and yeah. hear what people think so um moving on then to think about drama across the curriculum in school um just to give you guys listening, a point of view in case you didn't listen to the last episode. Molly and I both trained as actors, essentially. Um, we did a course called Performance for Live and Recorded Media at Seaside University. And that is when our, our, our friendship blossomed. Um, and we did many a wonderful thing, many a cringy video for that course. <laughs> Can I tell that story? No, no, focus on what we're doing. Sorry. I, well, th that's a bit of a teaser, isn't it? Maybe sometime <laughs> I'll tell you the story about very recently when the children in my school discovered a video <laughs> that Molly and I had made. <laughs> so Save that for the end. Save that for your, your classroom okay. comedy See, story. Molly has to keep me on. on, on I just want to say this, this is basically all of our meetings. Dean going off on a tangent and me pulling him back. That's why we're a great partnership. When we first started talking about like what plays we can write, what things we can do for special measures, I was like, we could do this. And then we could have this explosion on stage. Molly was like, Dean, we've got like a hundred pound budget. <laughs> right. So drama across the curriculum. Molly and I are both drama specialists. 
but in two different settings. So I am a secondary drama teacher, so I teach drama as as a subject. And Molly is a primary school teacher teaching year one, and Molly uses her drama skills um, across the curriculum. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, like you obviously do your plays and stuff, and we do our little summer performances and Christmas performances and things like that. So, yeah. And- when I speak to people, it's something they're always interested in. How can they utilise drama across the curriculum? And it is always something they are petrified and terrified of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in my PGCA, I did a school's direct PGCA. Um, I delivered... Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was horrendous. But I delivered a workshop to some history and geography teachers. <laughs> and um, they were terrified and it, we, we delivered it as like um the, the the drama teachers and there was about six six drama teachers and we took them through how we would adapt a world war ii schema work to include um some role play to in, include different things like that and and one of the things we did to do that was a pedagogy called mantle of the expert um originated by a practitioner called Dorothy Heathcote. And if you know anything about Dorothy Heathcote, she is absolutely fantastic. And Mantle of the Expert is just something I love and put in all of my lessons. She's fab- Have you ever heard of it, Molly? No, I haven't heard of that one. So I give it you in a nutshell, because I reckon you could use this in primary school. I think it would be fab. Um, Mantle of the Expert is framing your learning to put the children or the learners in the position of the expert. So you would give them a commission um, not like like a commission as in like a, a job that they need to do. So they need to find this out and then they can take control of their learning. So an example of this is um, I teach a schema work. I'm sure a lot of drama teachers teach. It's called Darkwood Manor and it is about haunted house. And it uses Mount Life the Expert and it puts them in the position of being like these archaeologists that have discovered this haunted house and they need to make a documentary on it to find out what happened in this house. So they are in control of the learning and you learn at their pace because they are the expert. They're the, they're the archaeologists doing this. So it's up to them then to find out. So, okay, how do we make a documentary? That's something we look at. How do we do this? How do we do that? We need to find out what happened in the house. How do we do that? What's a good way of interviewing these people? Or we could use hot seating and things like that. So I'd massively encourage people to go and look at Mantle of the Expert if it's something they feel like they want to dip the toe in, it's very approachable. And you can use Mantle of the Expert not just in a drama sense. It does require a little bit of role play. Like uh, in Darkwood Manor, I play the real estate agent that's come to commission them. And I play Lord Darkwood. And I I, um, I feel myself giving them like a congratulatory speech for, for when they finished their commission from Lord Darkwood. And I make fake emails and things like that. The more real you can make it for them, the more they invest in it. And they absolutely love it. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds really good. I always feel like really conscious speaking about different pedagogies that I use in case someone's like, well, actually. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sorry. Well, I think it's fine to take a pedagogy and, and, and do your own interpretation of it. What works best for you in your class? I mean, not everything's going to work for everybody, is it? So as long as you're using it for what's, what you need then that's the main thing if it works for you and it gets there yeah what type of things do you use drama in in school um well to be honest like you were saying earlier it's something that teachers are quite nervous 
to do. Um, it's really interesting, how, you know, like how we stand at the front of 30 children every day. Um, but people, the minute you kind of say, oh, we'll do some role play, or we'll do some hot seating, people are like, oh, no. Um, but particularly at a young level in year one, role play is a massive part you know, of the curriculum, they they have that continuous provision in the middle area. And most of the children you'll find go straight to the, the role play area um, and act out something, um, you know, that they've learned. Or a lot, I see loads of kids pretending to be teachers. Quite scary sometimes when you watch them in person. You? Um, but, yeah, um, that's a big thing. So, for example, um, we were doing a history lesson about the Victorians and we were looking at what life was like in a Victorian school so we um we did kind of some input but then to make it kind of relevant they were given badges with different roles on so some of them were playing the students some of them were teachers um and they went and acted out what it was like to be in a Victorian school and then they performed their scenes and when they were doing that when they were doing their role plays we were able to kind of like walk around going, so why have you chosen to, you know, to speak like that? Or why have you chosen to do that? And then they could give you an explanation like, oh, well, I've done this because in the Victorian times they did this. So it was a really good way of them communicating what they'd learned. And it wasn't just sit down and write, you know, a piece of writing about it. It was a fun, interactive way of doing it. But it really kind of embedded their learning because they were physically up and doing it and they they were enjoying what they were doing as well so that's just kind of one example but hot seating is a massive thing um you know particularly at that young age when we're still learning to read um and you're, you're still kind of developing inference skills about how characters are feeling and um and because they've said that why do you think they've said that and how do they feel and um, we quite often just as a game sometimes at the end of the day I'll put like um, some names of characters on paper um, and they'll pick one at random and they'll sit at the front in the hot seat and the rest of the class ask like questions that they can only answer yes or no to and then they get three guesses who who the character is but that's just one little game that we use and but obviously if you're focusing on a book you could do some a lot more in-depth work on on characters if you wanted to with hot seating um, and often and i'll always model it so i'll always be a character first and they can ask me questions so they've got that idea of what to do but they love that they they, they really enjoy playing that as a game and they're getting so much out of it as well because it, particularly when they're pretending to be that character they're really having to think about the answers to these questions, you know, because sometimes the, obviously the children are asked some really random questions, but they, they really, you know, the children in the hot seat really have a go on and try to be these characters. There's a level of improvisation there as well, isn't there? So not only is it like those deeper thinking skills, but you've got your critical thinking, your empathy, and it's also like improvisation and communication. So it's a good way to do it. I've seen um, in a geography lesson, them use hot seat in as a way to look at like social economic issues. So mm -hmm. they were looking at um, the favelas in Brazil and they did different people's points of views. So like one person was like a business person that from, from Rio de Janeiro. One person was someone that lived in the favelas. Another person was a politician and it was a good way to explore all the different viewpoints in, and, and 
seat around an issue. So I think you could use hot seat in, in every single lesson. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out as well. I think like what you were mentioning earlier, it's not necessarily about using drama. Isn't necessarily about getting up and acting or hot seating. It's about giving it some more context. So, for example, with our writing, um, we always consider audience and purpose. Now, that's a massive skill of drama to know who your audience is and why you why you're performing it or why you're doing it. So we. Um, we've just recently done some writing um, based around a story called The Lighthouse Keeper's Lunch. So the children... Well, Love that book. Is that, yeah. the one, is, that, is that the one where, where it's like a bucket that goes across? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, oh. So, you know, we, we did a lot of reading around that story, lots of kind of talk into the story, and then they ended up writing a set of instructions for um, how to get the lunch to the lighthouse keeper. <laughs> so it had a purpose because someone was going to use those instructions. And then we looked at another another story in that series, The Lighthouse Keeper's Cat. And um, Hamish the cat can't catch a mouse, so he gets kicked out by oh. the, the lighthouse keeper's wife. So we wrote instructions for Hamish the cat and how to how to catch a mouse, um, and we we posted them to Hamish. You know, we put them through the school letterbox, and and it just that context gave them a focus and gave them a purpose and really engaged them in their in their learning. So it's like you were saying about the the context. It doesn't just have to be writing. In history, we were looking at castles. So rather than just giving them a PowerPoint of this is a feature of a castle and this is a feature of a castle. Um, we gave a context that um, they all worked for a castle building company and um, this man wanted a new castle built. So they had to, you know, they had to find out what the features were and then they had to design the castle. So that is like Matt with the expert. Yeah, exactly. That, exactly what you were saying. Yeah. And it's, it's just giving it that context. And I think we probably all use Mantle of the Expert in some way in our lessons, but don't realise we're doing it. But when yeah. you explore it deeper, it really does benefit the learning and, and, and the love of learning that it promotes in, in the students. Um, one yeah. thing that I do with, with drama in my classroom, and it's something I made a conscious decision to do when I came into teaching, was to use teacher and role a lot. Because I remember in my own learning, I loved it whenever my teachers would act with me my drama teacher miss Schofield, who was like an absolute legend um she would use any excuse to get in a character and perform mm -hmm. for us which was it modeled like the skills to us but it also like really engaged us i remember we did john gopper's bounces and we come to the lesson and she was outside as a bouncer and you couldn't get into her lesson unless she'd like dealt with her so i use things like that in my lesson because they're always the things that stick with me like i even remember in year two when we did the victorians our teacher was in role and yeah. she was like the school teacher and like i remember she, she like picked on me and she got a ruler and she was going to smack the ruler on my hand but she, like she hit it on her hand <laughs> but like i just remember thinking how amazing it was yeah no i totally agree with that as well i remember doing drama at school and we did so much whole class improvisation. So we like the whole drama studio would be set up as a scene or as a setting. And we would do sometimes with a full hour, whole class improvising, improvisation. And our class teacher would be 
a character in the improvisation and it was amazing like I am exactly the same mate. they're the things that I remember from school and they stand out to you don't they and I think there's a lot of people there nervous to like act in front of the kids for loads of different reasons but you've got to remember it's not necessarily about skill it's about giving it a go and if you try and give it a go they will follow with anything in your classroom the first time you're going to do it it's going to be very stop starty it's not going to go the way you want it straight away because you need to establish that with the students like luckily um in my i'm a practical lesson so i established that right early on that we're going to have practical work and i'm going to push them outside the comfort zones but if you are in like um geography or english or something and don't usually do it it might take them a little bit of the time to come around to but do stick with it and some people worry about behavior management if they're in a character and they worry that students might not take them seriously and my advice to that would be as long as you are as long as you have the ability and i do this a lot because especially when I start doing teaching role with year seven and trying to just integrate it into them. I, I have to go into character. And then if they start messing around or aren't taking it seriously, I'll come out of character, but make a very clear differentiation that I'm out of character and address the behavior management and then go back into the character. So there's nothing wrong with like dipping in and out of it as well to be able to classroom, classroom manage. I would just pick up as well on the, um, you know, sticking with it because it's not just you who will be nervous it'll be the children who will be really nervous. I know when, when I've done it for the first time with my year groups, I've had tears, <laughs> you know, I don't want to do it. And they'll be quite happy rehearsing in their group, but when they have to come up to the front to perform or hot seat or whatever, tears. And I never push, I never say you have to do it. Obviously give them the encouragement, um, but it's amazing. I had one little boy, this year who was crying didn't want to do it but then we did a similar activity in a couple of weeks time and he got up and did it so it is something you've got to you've well, got to stick with yeah so if we're going to condense our points then into like our free takeaway points from what we've just discussed number one would be hot seated yeah absolutely try and use hot seat in your classroom number two i would think would be teacher enroll and then yeah would be to maybe explore mantle of the expert so i think there's two there that you could take away and very easily look at your schemes of work and see if you could have a go maybe implement them i think if it was your first time ever trying to dabble in it a good place to start would be feeling a class that you're comfortable and confident with you don't want to start doing it with like your rowdiest year tens um and then obviously our, our third point would be mantle of the expert which i just think is such nice pedagogy and if you want to know more information, um, Dorothy Heathcote has got books out there. There's articles written on that pedagogy. It's really worth exploring. I'm going to go and explore it. <laughs> <laughs> See, take, take away. Right. So before we finish up, Molly, um, we've got a, a few bits of housekeeping. Um, last week, we finished off by discussing our theatre recommendations. And I gave you a recommendation. Did you watch it? Um, no, but not because I don't want to watch it. I haven't like I have been quite busy um this past week, you know, with Whoa. planning and I Molly looks very nervous now. <laughs> I've been recommending Wise Children on iPlayer to Molly for about a year. Or not even <laughs> I just like, yeah, yeah, I watch it and then I'm like, Have you watched it? She's like, Yeah. And I only wanted to watch it so I've got someone to talk about it with because I really I will I will I um, I will make that a key point for this week that's on my to-do list for this week so what is your theater recommendation for this week then molly well 
I'm going to stick with National Theatre again um, and recommend a streetcar named Desire. Now, I studied this play at school. Um, I think it was, I don't know if it was college or GCSE. I, I think it's probably college. Um, and I fell in love with the, the play this, um, when we read it. And then I watched the, the film version of it. Um, but when it was when they were touring the the cinema screens with the the show Streetcar Named Desire, I went to see that at the cinema, and it was absolutely amazing. Um, so it's it's going to be the next show that the National Theatre release on Thursday. So I would definitely definitely recommend. Yeah, that's tomorrow. Um, we're going out. Yeah. Definitely recommend that one. I mean, I absolutely adore Gillian Anderson. I think she's amazing in whatever she does, but she is particularly amazing in in that. So I would definitely, definitely check that one out. Was she from Doctor Who? Am I making that up? I don't watch Doctor Who, so I don't know. Do you watch Sex Education on Netflix? Yes. She yeah. plays his mum, the, the sex therapist. Oh! Oh, yeah, I've just Googled it. I know who she is. She's really good. Um, yeah, and I like her in sex education. I am thinking of... Um, I'm going to Google it. So in Doctor Who, Amy Pond is played by Karen Gillian. And I'm pretty sure she's in it as well. Have I made that up? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to search Karen Gillian, um, Streetcar Named Desire. I feel like I've seen her in the poster. But in the meantime, I'll give my recommendation. Um, mine is almost a second-hand recommendation. Another drama teacher friend of mine, um, Rachel, has been going on about me for ages because she went and seen this in the theatre, obviously before lockdown. Um, and it's a monster calls. Um, the old Vic have adapted it for the stage and apparently it's meant to be absolutely amazing. Um, and that is on. Oh, I had the details and then I got off it. Right. That is on, yeah, it's the old Vic, and they're, they're streaming a Monster Calls. Obviously, it's based on the book of the same name, and also the film. And at this presentation, Rachel assures me that it's absolutely amazing. It is on from Friday the 5th of June at 7 o'clock. So it's a little bit away in the future, so maybe put it in your diary. But that'll be available for a week until the 11th. And it's the reviews of that are just absolutely fantastic. Um I was going to say, I've heard of that, the play, A Monster Call, so that, that's, yeah, I've heard it's really good, so that'll probably be really good to watch. Well, I'll be watching it, I think. I say I think, I, I'm going to be watching it. I've got nothing better to do than binge all this theatre. I'm also on uh, Friday, I'm watching um, a play that we did in uni in first year, but I don't think you... you... No, I wasn't with you yeah. in first year. It's called Love and Information. And do you remember Paul in uni? Yeah. As in the lecturer? Yeah. He directed it and it was just hilarious. It's a really nice play. It's by Carol Churchill. And it's all just like um, vignettes of different scenes to do with the theme of love or information. So that's a good one to watch. Um, to finish us off with that, I thought it'd be nice. I was listening to Mr. P's podcast, Two Peas in a Pod. And they tell lots of funny stories. And obviously our show, Special Measures, tickets available for our performance on the 28th of October in the Hope Street Theatre. Look, look at that cheeky plug. Um, our Special Measures is all about the funny things that happened to us in school. I thought we could finish our podcast off with a funny story from school. Would you mm -hmm. like to go first so I can just throw it on you so I can think about what I'm going to say? 
to be honest, this is one that I whip out all the time. Um, but I'll, it's a really, it, to me, it's a really funny one. Um, so my year ones had been having a particularly noisy day. I was having a particularly difficult day with them, and it was coming to the end of the day. And when you've heard you know about fifty thousand times in a day, and you're getting a little bit tired, um, I ended up saying to them, "Would you please stop shouting my name?" And then one little girl leant forward and went, Is that Kinson? <laughs> oh. so she she did follow what I said, but um continued to um say my name, even though she wasn't shouting it. So but then I couldn't help but laugh at that. So that's my little funny anecdote. Oh that's cute. Since you put primary school kids are hilarious i could not deal with them at all like people say to me all the time oh i couldn't deal with secondary i'm like i couldn't deal with primary i'm just i think you're either one or the other aren't you yeah absolutely um and then my funny story is should i tell the one about the video going around school if you want to or save it for if you've had a different one you can save yeah. it for the well, I'll save that to our next podcast to make you listen. Obviously, that'll be available next Wednesday. Our podcast are released every Wednesday. Um, so stay tuned for that. But to finish us off with a nice, funny story. Um, you know, now I've got loads and I can't even think about them. I'm just awful, aren't I? I, I proposed this and you had like one off the cuff and I'm like, ah. Um, <laughs> like, I've, like, why has nothing ever funny happened to me? But things happen to me like hilariously all the time. Oh, I had... Um, we have um, a teacher whose job is to just be on patrol and like take kids that are aren't settling your lesson out and like re- reintegrate them into the lesson. And we were doing like role play teacher and role um, where they were, we were like being a class in World War II and they were just been told they were evacuating and it was, they, they could do whatever they want. Um, and some of them were going wild and things like that. Anyway, obviously it must have been very loud, all these reactions, because it was the start of the team away. And Chrissy burst into the room and was like, what's happening here? Sit down now. And I also had my head teacher's daughter with work experience on me as well. I was like, Chrissy, it's fine. We're just, we're just doing drama. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, to reassure our head's daughter, like, oh my god, this doesn't happen all the time, I promise. That wasn't that funny a story. I'll think of a better funny story for next week. <laughs> no, that was funny. I do, yeah, that, I can just imagine that happening because I've been, it's been plenty of time where my classroom's been so noisy and full of chaos, and as someone's entered, like another member of staff, or quite often a senior member of staff's entered the classroom and I haven't even realised they've entered the classroom because my class is that noisy. And then it's like, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if that story wasn't funny, just to reassure you, we did get a four-star review at Edinburgh Fringe Festival <laughs> for our classroom comedy about our plays. And um, I'm pulling up our, our Twitter to, to give you a little taste of, of an audience review. Someone said, wow, amazing piece of new writing from Blackboard Theatre with Special Measures, revealing a hard-hitting message about the state of our secondary school. That doesn't come across as a funny either, does it? Oh, no. I've dug myself into a black hole here. Oh, here we go. Absolutely hysterical. Did not stop laughing. Such a poignant and funny show. There you go. They, we are funny. 
<laughs> we have also haven't been in the classroom for eight weeks, so we are lacking a little bit of um of material at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when uh, when school's back and rolling we'll be back back on full form anyway right we're going to leave it there for this evening thank you very much for tuning in and listening to us if you haven't already please subscribe to us on wherever you have found us whether that be spotify google podcasts anchor public radio public um breaker or apple podcasts we really do appreciate your feedback and you could give us a five-star review if you like us um don't leave us a one-star review because that's just awful and that'd be nasty and um, one of molly's um colleagues came to see our show and she left us a really lovely review but something went wrong with the stars <laughs> and, and she left us a four-star review rather than a five-star review and she didn't mean to it was lovely but it just um left our rating now and i'm not bitter about it at all molly <laughs> I know, I will, I will speak to her about the stars. <laughs> uh, please, please give us five stars. Um, tell your friends about us. We're going to try and do this every week, every Wednesday. We're going to upload a podcast. So thank you very much for listening. We hope to see you next week. Thank you. Yes. Yes, You have been listening to Blackboard Theatre Presents Requires Improvement with your hosts, Molly Atkinson and Dean Osgood. Please comment, rate, subscribe and join us next week for the next edition of the podcast. Thank you.